A reading from the book of Acts. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who, on coming to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them to all remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them, named Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined, everyone according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. The word of the Lord. Hey, One Fellowship family and friends. It's so good to be with you virtually today. If you're a guest with us, my name is Drew Hensley, and I am the pastor of discipleship here at One Fellowship. Now, I know during this time, a lot of our plans or maybe trips that we scheduled, those have had to be postponed or canceled. So I thought I would let you live vicariously through a trip that Laura and I took several years ago in North Carolina. We were about to make a big move in our life, and before we did that, we just wanted to take a little trip to get away, to clear our heads, to spend time together, and so we went to Banner Elk, North Carolina, and to a cabin, and it was fantastic, and two of those days were great. The weather was amazing. The food was so good, and one night, we decided to go to Boone, North Carolina, which was really close by, just to visit and to hang out in the downtown area, and so we did that. And we took our GPS, a real physical GPS, a Garmin GPS. Kids, I know you may have never seen one of these, but before the phone had GPS on it, we actually had to use this little contraption to get us to where we needed to go if you were directionally challenged, especially like myself. And so the GPS got us to Boone, no problem. But on the way back, it was dark out. It was probably about nine o'clock at night. And we're heading back to our cabin in Banner Elk, and it's up these twisty roads and in the mountain, and the GPS decides to take us on this path that it said there were roads, it said it was the way back, and we found ourselves completely lost out in the woods. Now, I grew up in Missouri, so I was not used to getting lost out in the woods like this on a mountain. And we were scared, and I tried not to show it. I kept telling Laura, it's going to be fine, it's going to be fine. And all of a sudden, we hear this ding, and the gas light's on, and we're low on gas. And I have no idea where we're going. We're taking these weird side roads that I know did not lead back to the cabin. And once you start to see the, um, you know, don't enter onto my property, private property signs, that's when you start to get really scared. Like, that's not where I was going to get out and go up to people's houses and start asking them for directions. And so Laura started to cry. 
internally I'm freaking out and we have no idea how to get back to our cabin. Now we did some backtracking and eventually we made it back. We laughed about it. Um, we slept better than we had probably ever slept before in our lives that night. But the GPS led us astray. I say all of that because in our life, in our day-to-day -day life, and in the grand scheme of our life, we really like to live life sort of like a GPS. We like to have clear guidance. We like to know what's next. We like to have clear direction, especially the way that we think things should go. Now, in this current season we're in, we know that that's not a reality, that things have been turned upside down for us. And so we've had to adapt to that, that reality of not being able to be in control like we thought we were or we wanted to be. Now, not only do we like our lives to be like that, I think a lot of times we expect God to also be like that and to adapt to us, to move in ways that we think he should move, where we think he should move, the timing at which we think he should move, to people where, he think, where we think he should move. But what we see really clearly throughout Scripture, and I'm sure even throughout your life and my life, is that God oftentimes moves in ways that we don't expect, especially the Holy Spirit, to people we don't expect, taking us places we don't expect. And we see that really, really clearly, especially in this passage today, but with one purpose, with one clear purpose, God is moving, and that's to expand the mission of Jesus. In fact, that's our big idea for today, is that the mission of Jesus is always expanding. Now, what does that mean for us? Well, for us, as we sit here right now in this season, oftentimes the mission of Jesus is expanding in ways that we wouldn't expect but in ways that we absolutely need to be expectant of and attuned to, especially when it comes to our relationship with and the dynamic between us and the Holy Spirit. So let me pray for us, and we're going to jump into this passage in Acts chapter 11 today. God, I pray that you'd be with us during this time. I pray that you would lead us through this passage. And Jesus, I pray that you'd be glorified in all of it. Would you move us into a new place today? Would you not just allow us to look inward, but would we look outward at what you're doing and where you're moving and where you're leading? Jesus, we thank you for your love, for your grace, for your kindness. Would you be with us now in this time? Would you transform us through your word? We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. All right, so we're going to jump into Acts chapter 11. We're going to be looking today specifically at verses 19 through 30. And here's what we see right off the bat, is that the mission of Jesus is always expanding to new people. Look at these verses. Here's what it says, starting in verse 19. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. Now we remember Stephen here. Back in Acts chapter 7, Stephen is put to death under the order of Saul in an attempt to do what? 
to actually shut down the expansion of the gospel, of this good news about Jesus. But what happened instead? These early Christians, they scattered and the gospel went with them. It expands. Now, some of the Jewish people shared the good news with other Jewish people, and we see that they come to faith. Others share it with Hellenists who were Gentiles living under Greek culture and worshiping multiple Greek gods. But on hearing this news, they come to faith. What sticks out to me here is that God is purposefully using some people to reach Jewish people. And he's also using some people to reach Gentiles. But all on the same mission with the same message. Here's what I want to ask. Would you believe that right now, in the here and now, where you are, in your life, in your circle, that God wants to use you to reach certain people with the good news of Jesus? Seriously, regardless of your personality, whether you're an introvert, whether you're an extrovert, um, whether you've been a Christian for five weeks or for 50 years, God absolutely has real living, breathing people with faces and names that he wants to use you to reach. Right now in your neighborhoods, through your work, through different communities and networks that you're a part of, maybe even in your own family. Now I know what some of you might be thinking right now. You say, that terrifies me. That terrifies me because I don't know what I would say, how I would say it, when I should say it. Uh, I, I wouldn't even know how to make the first move. And here's the great news, is that you don't have to. The first move is never going to be made by us. It's not going to be made by you and me. The first move is always a move of the Holy Spirit that goes before you and that goes with you. And our move is to be expectant and attuned to the Holy Spirit's leading, and to follow. So, the mission of Jesus, it's always expanding to new people by a move of the Holy Spirit. That's what we see next. Look at verse 22 here. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, basically that all these people were meeting Jesus, especially these Hellenists in Antioch. Something was happening. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch the disciples were first called Christians. So essentially, word gets back to Jerusalem and to the Jewish church, these believers, that something was happening in Antioch, of all places. This was a major Greek city. They were known for their culture. They were known for their wealth. They also worshipped many Greek gods. And so it's not exactly where you would expect a new church to pop up. But the Spirit moves in unexpected ways all the time, all around us, even at this time. And so for good reason, the church, 
back in Jerusalem, they want to check this out. They want to essentially authenticate that this report is true, that, that these are real believers who are trusting in Jesus. And so it says that they send Barnabas. Now, Barnabas, this was a great choice. It says that he was a man filled with the Holy Spirit and with faith. And when he arrives, it says that he was glad. Why was he glad? Because of this. It says that he saw the grace of God. Essentially, this grace, the goodness of God poured out into a life. He saw that in all of these people. Well, how do you see this? How do you see grace, this invisible quality? Here's how you see it. Through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He saw what chapter 12 in Romans and chapter 12 in 1 Corinthians talk about. He saw the gifts of love, the gifts of knowledge, the gifts of wisdom, faith, discernment, teaching. He saw all of these different gifts of the Holy Spirit in these people, in these new believers. He saw this being lived out. And so he, it says, exhorts or encourages them, which makes sense because the name Barnabas literally means son of encouragement. But what does he encourage them to? Here's what it says, to remain faithful to Jesus with steadfast purpose. These are such important words for us today. Barnabas doesn't put a clause at the end. He doesn't say, hey, stay faithful to Jesus with steadfast purpose when things are good. Stay faithful when it's profitable to you. Stay faithful when it's easy. Stay faithful only to those who agree with the same things that you agree with and believe the same things that you believe with. No, Barnabas exhorts them. He encourages them to remain faithful with steadfast purpose, period. Meaning no matter what comes, no matter what happens. Stay faithful. Remain faithful. Christianity and the church have endured persecution and hardship really since the beginning. The reason the church is still standing is because of who the church is standing on. And we know that that's Jesus. And with Jesus comes a clear purpose. And that clear purpose is always people, to reach people, to love people, to care for people, just as Christ has reached us, has loved us, and is caring for us. What happens when the Spirit moves from within Barnabas as he encourages these people toward Jesus? Well, here's what we see happen. That the Spirit moves all around him and more people come to faith. More people trust in Jesus. This is what the Holy Spirit does this is what we should be expectant for in and out of good seasons, in challenging times, at times when we celebrate that the Holy Spirit is moving in a way to build up the church of Jesus. It's what he's been doing for thousands of years, moving within Christians and around Christians to make more Christians. The Holy Spirit is building this church on the person of Jesus and we get to take part in that. Because the mission of Jesus is always expanding to new people by a move of the Holy Spirit. But how? Through his church. Look at these last verses. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them, named Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. 
So the disciples determined everyone according to his own ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. So we have this newly formed church and honestly a church that no one would have expected. This was a church made up of Jews and Gentiles from different backgrounds, from different levels of status, different paths, united under one thing, faith in Jesus. That's really what I love about our church. That's what I love about One Fellowship ever since I first got here is that we have people who have made up this local church from all over the place. Transplants. I'm a transplant. You might be a transplant. You have different stories. You have different backgrounds. Maybe you even grew up in a different type of church altogether, never grew up in church. We, we say it every week when we're together, and hopefully we'll be together again soon. We say it every week that no matter what background you come from, no matter what tradition you come from, that when we come together, and especially when we respond to the good news of the gospel, that we're all welcome. That's the church. That's the beauty of the church. That's what is happening here in this church. And I love it. That this is a church that's been rescued by Jesus out of his love for us and rescued with a purpose and for a purpose. Here's what you see here is that a crisis is about to hit and it's about to hit hard. It said there was going to be a worldwide famine. Here's what happens. Instead of the people, instead of the church just looking inward, how do we protect ourselves? What do we need to do for ourselves? What do they do? They look outward. They look at how they can serve and support their brothers and sisters who are going to be in need. When we realize that our greatest need is met through the person and work of Jesus, who took our sin, who took our death, who gives us new life, it allows our hearts that were once turned completely inward to look outward to the needs of others, both spiritually and physically. I love this. What I find interesting about this passage, you may have noticed it too, is that it begins and it ends under pressure. The church being under pressure, in crisis. Stephen's put to death at the beginning and a worldwide famine is on the horizon at the end. But what do we see happen here? Here's what we see, is that more and more people are giving their lives to Jesus as the pressure increases. Historically, difficulty seems to be the soil for which the church flourishes. Why is that? Here's what I think. In times of crisis and great need, people are looking for hope. One of the reasons the church thrives in times like this is because we have a message of hope, of real hope, not a hope that's fleeting, but a hope that really does stand the test of time. Not a hope that's attained by our works, but a hope that's found only through grace. Not a hope that's only meant for some, but a hope that actually breaks through, as we've even seen here in this passage, through race, through age, through sex and class, and is offered to anyone who's willing to accept it. Not a hope that judges you by your past, but instead offers you a bright future and new life in Christ. You won't find this hope on the news. You won't find this hope in a vaccine. You won't find this hope 
on Wall Street or anywhere else. This hope is like any other. It's unwavering in uncertainty. It stands firm no matter what comes. Here's what it is. It's the hope that we find in the person and work of Jesus. In no other name, only him. So we as a church and as a people, we have an amazing opportunity in the here and now. Do you believe that? Because we do. We have an amazing opportunity. A lot has changed over the past few months. The way that we live, priorities that we have, our rhythms, relationships. But one thing has absolutely not changed and it will not change. And that's the mission of Jesus and the call to the church to be the people of that mission and to rise up. As our world, even now, is under pressure and people are desperate for hope. What an amazing opportunity we have to carry that hope forward. And so what does it look like for you individually, even this week? What does this look like for your life in connecting with, praying for, and reaching out to others? Who might that person be? Those faces that are popping into your head right now. Those people that maybe you've been praying for for a while. The neighbor who you're like, man, I should really reach out to them and check on them and care for them. Who are those people that God is placing in your life that the Holy Spirit is already working and moving and orchestrating for you to actually reach with hope, with this good news of Jesus? What does it look like for us to be expectant of what the Holy Spirit is already preparing and to follow the Holy Spirit's lead as he moves? Because he is absolutely moving. He's moving in our church. He's moving in our families. He's moving in our neighborhoods. He's moving in our city. There is no doubt in my mind that Jesus wants to see revival break out in Charleston and beyond. That the Holy Spirit is moving in a way to see revival break out in Charleston and beyond. What does that mean? That means that people who have maybe even not thought about Jesus before or have been nominally connected to this idea of Jesus actually give their lives to him. And we get to be people who carry that good news forward. And that's exciting. We should actually be excited about that. I know that that might seem a little bit weird, like, hey, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Should we really be excited? Absolutely. Because God's moving in a powerful way. And so as a church, what does this look like? Well, next Sunday, Pastor Paul, he's going to share a state of the church address in place of just a normal sermon. And as leaders, uh, we've been praying and processing what the way forward really looks like. But let me say this, not to just exist as the church, but to be the church, to love, to reach, to care beyond ourselves, to not just see this as a moment in time, but as a moment for us to rise up on mission with Jesus. So make sure to worship with us next week as we share more about this. Be encouraged today that Jesus's mission is always expanding, that you're a part of that, and we get to continue to be a part of that. The mission of Jesus is always expanding to new people. The mission of Jesus is always expanding by a move of the Holy Spirit. The mission of Jesus is always expanding through his church. 
So let's be that church and let's help see that mission go forward. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the hope that we have. May we be attuned, Holy Spirit, to what you're doing, how you're moving, how you're working. May we be people of hope this week. Jesus, thank you for the reminder in your word that that God, you often do things in unexpected ways, but all centered around your son, that more and more people would come to know Jesus, would place their hope in Jesus. So would we stand firm in Jesus and would we share that good news? We love you. Thank you for loving us so well. We pray all of this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.